Let's go in-depth on all things Cyclones. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 14.60 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines, joined as always by Randy Peterson and also today by the Register's Tommy Birch. On the day after the WNBA draft, when Iowa State made program history with a pair of players drafted into the league. Randy, Tommy, how are you, gentlemen? Good. How about you? I'm hanging in there. You're here. That makes things worse. But maybe the show better. We'll Bring see. Why some you knowledge? like Tommy? I mean, have you met him? <laughs> yeah, you, spent yeah, time, you spent time with him? worked with him for the last... 30 years. So why, you, long has it been? So it why been are you asking questions you know the answer to already? <laughs> 2008. That's almost 30. He was 30 years old then. <laughs> All right, we good to go? We good? Yeah, We've got the insults out. Yeah, I'm ready. Right. Tommy, He's still not in Stephanie Suarez, drafted fourth overall by Washington, traded basically immediately to Dallas. Ashley Jones taken 19th overall into the second round by those same Dallas franchise. Iowa State, two players drafted in the WNBA draft for the first time ever. Before we talk about... Not the, first time ever. They've had two draft picks before, but they've never had two first-round draft picks, and they still have Gotcha. Before See, we... Dra- before we dive... Yeah, you saved me a major error there. I appreciate that. Yeah. Before we dive into the, the landing spot for both players, what does it mean for them to have a night like last night where they have two players picked, including one in the top five? Big time exposure. I mean, front and center, Iowa State basketball being talked about for for uh, for Bill Fenley, for the program. Bill Fenley being there, big deal. Um, so, I mean, it's big time for recruiting. Um, you know, College basketball, women's basketball, it's the same way when it comes to, you know, college men's basketball. You know, people want to know, okay, can I play? Can I play at the next level? Iowa State showed, like, okay, we can do it. I think the the most intriguing ones, obviously, the Stephanie Suarez one, where it's like, okay, she has been around. She is somebody that has played at the college level for, you know, now she, this would have been her fifth year. She just needed the exposure. Came to Iowa State, was an unknown player, played 13 games, and her stock just soared. So that's going to do wonders for Iowa State recruiting-wise. Yeah, I want to go back to what you said, Tommy, about about um, big-time PR for Iowa State. Iowa State has now 16 players drafted since 2000. Stacey Freeze was the first one. And that's Finley. Um, dude, that ranks third in the Big 12. The legacy Big 12 or the new Big 12. That's third overall with Baylor is first at 23. And UT is second with just one behind with, at, at, at 17. So that's pretty impressive. That's um, that's that's. I think that's very, very impressive. Um, you know, like like you said, it's 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 these these girls are growing up these days. You know, just like the guys. 
See, I'm going to play in. I'm going to play in the league. They want to know that they can play at yeah. the next level. I want to play at the W. Yeah. Now that I learned last night that that's what they call it, the W. That's what they call it? Yeah. I, so I'm play in the W. And Iowa State has a track record of sending players to the WNBA, getting drafted, sticking around. Obviously, Bridget Carlton still in the league, but you're you're taking it to a whole other level when you're talking about a lottery pick. And for a while, we were talking about Iowa State possibly having two first-round draft picks, and they nearly did, and that's a major accomplishment. On the other hand, you got to be thinking, like, oh, my goodness. Like, look at what Iowa State missed out on during that time with Ashley Jones. And obviously, when it comes to that time with Stephanie Suarez, that's only 13 games. You can't help but wonder, like, wow, what if Iowa State would have had Stephanie Suarez for that entire season? For Suarez to be a top-five pick – with that ACL injury, you know what's she looking at in terms of rehab, and then what's she looking at in terms of being ready to play next season? You know, with Dallas and what they have in their front court. Yeah, I mean, they haven't. Stephanie's kind of kept that a little close to the vest in terms of where she's at on the rehab schedule, but it sounded like from the people I've talked to, it's going well. It's almost ahead of schedule. She's not going to play during this season. The I uh, kind of the. She's eyeing a return for 2024, so which is not a bad thing. I mean, that's a it's it's almost like an investment for you know Dallas, where it's looking ahead, saying, okay, you know, we don't have to worry about a roster spot right now. We can rehab her, get her ready, get her acclimated, and then next year we got to worry about it. But they are extremely high on Stephanie Suarez. I mean, they gave up. Two draft picks together, and it's totally understandable why. Six foot six, she can maneuver in the post, she plays great defense, and she can step out and shoot the three. I mean, the amount of six foot six post players you're going to have in women's basketball, that's a small field. The amount of players that can do what she can do in the post gets even smaller. Then you talk about players that can shoot the three like her with that size and that athleticism. She might be the only player outside of a Leah Boston that can do that type of stuff. So um, she has the potential of playing the WNBA for a long, long time. But you still have to break that, break that seal of once you're in the, the W, you're there. You've heard Finale say it a gazillion times. I've heard him say it a gazillion times. It's like it's like the Supreme Court. You don't sure. leave. You don't leave unless you die. They're tough. They're and, tough roster spots yeah. to get on. But usually if you're the, – the way you look at it is your lottery pick, you got a really good shot. If you're at the end of the first round, you're battling. Anything yeah. after that, like it's going actually, to be a tough – Was Ashley pissed off? No, she was really happy. I mean, I think she kind of knew going into the situation, like – there, it was widespread evaluations for her, yeah. anywhere from end of the first round to and that went somewhere back to last in the year second too, round. Right? Yeah, that's how the evaluations yeah. were for her last year. Where it yeah. could have been first round, second round, possibly not drafted. I mean, we knew she was going to get drafted. I think she ended up going kind of where most projections still had her. Although, I think a lot of us, and me included, probably really bid on that whole. Okay, Rebecca Lobo, a lot of, you know, uh NBA WNBA draft projections had her possibly going in the first round. But I think that looked at more, hey, who are the most talented players available instead of was the right fit for that organization. 
What is, I mean, for Dallas to select two Iowa State players, what it seems like to me the WNBA draft, the program or franchises develop a track record of going to the same programs time and again. What did Dallas see that they like about the way these players were developed? In Ashley's case, over five years, and Suarez's case, you know, just a few months pro potential that they were pretty much pro ready i mean that's the thing that we had constantly heard about ashley jones is she already looks like a pro she already plays like a pro she practices like a pro she basically is a pro and that bill fenley runs his program like it's a a pro program to get them ready for that next step he doesn't want to get them just ready to be WNBA players but you know to last in the league as well and I think that was part of the appeal too knowing that okay you're going to get people that have been worked hard that have you know very strong passionate feelings about basketball and really want to be involved in the game and I think that's what Iowa State has the reputation of developing players for. You're listening to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. Travis Hines and Randy Peterson joined by Tommy Birch of the Des Moines Register talking Iowa State basketball after two players were selected in the WNBA draft last night. And Tommy, to, to shift away, I guess, from Stephanie Suarez and Ashley Jones's pro future and circle this back around what it means for the Iowa State women's basketball program, What's the value of having – we talked about the PR value of last night, but what is the value of having a night last night when things don't seem, at least from the outside, all hunky-dory within the program with the high-profile departures to to change the narrative a little bit and refocus on what the program has accomplished for its players rather than uh, the women leaving and what that might mean as they uh, you know try to – traverse the transfer portal here this month yeah i mean the timing probably couldn't have been much better i mean they desperately needed some some good news and i think the timing also works well in the aspect that like look iowa state is still trying to build a roster right now they've got some serious holes in the program that they aren't going to be able to just fill with what they have coming in they have to hit the transfer portal and i think having Stephanie Suarez and being like, look, this is what we did for a player who's only here for 13 games. Or you come to Iowa State for two or three years, depending on who the player is, what type of eligibility they may have. If you've got ambitions to play in the WNBA, this is the program to be at. So Iowa State has a lot to offer right now in terms of um, playing time. Um, you know, a track record of success, a track record of getting players to the WNBA. Um, obviously, what's taking place over the last month is a tad bit alarming. If you're an Iowa State fan, seeing all these departures, I mean, some of them were totally expected. I would say Morgan Kane, Maggie Espinoa, McGraw, Maggie Vick, not complete surprises, but when she lost Lexi Donarski, when she lost Danae Fritz, that's where things started to turn around a little bit and you really start questioning, okay, what's taking place? What is going on? Why hasn't this program been able to keep players in for the long haul? But can Addie Brown be uh, the, the five-star freshman who's coming in? Can sure. Addie Brown be just as good? I mean, court-ready by 
by Big 12 season as Lexi was or as, I don't know about Danae. I really like Danae's game. Yeah. Um, but can she be... So did a lot of people. No, ex- yeah, exactly. So did Bill Fenley. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's true. But, I mean, from I and I watched some video of her just before I came up here. She's good, dude. She's really good. The entire recruiting class yeah. is really good. I mean, this is the highest ranked recruiting class Iowa State's ever had. It beats out the class of Emily Ryan, Lexi Donarski, Aubrey Jones, Kylie Fearbach. But, you know, I just don't get the same type of instant impact feel that I did with those players. At least from the people I've talked to and from watching them, I don't know. You know, maybe they can become those type of players. But look, it takes a really special type of player to come into the Big 12 and earn a starting spot right away and play at the level that Emily Ryan and Lexi Denarski. Dude, or Naughty Crooks is going to have to play 30 now. Yeah, I mean, all those those freshmen are going to have to contribute right away. And I just don't know. If they're at that, you know, it's it's hard to compare it to anybody else because that is a special talent level that you're talking about with that previous recruiting class. Does that mean, you know, I guess dependent on whether or not they hit a grand slam in the transfer portal that you're looking at the inevitable kind of step back, rebuild situation here given, I mean, it was always, in, I mean, it always, these things run in cycles, right? It's not necessarily indicative of anything other than you just saw one of the best players in program history run out of her eligibility and that this is going to be where the team goes from being old to being young and expectations have to shift along with that? Yeah, I mean, Bill Fenley thought it was going to be a rebuilding year after um, the NCAA tournament. I remember talking to him in the hallway after the loss to Toledo and he said, look, we're, we're going to have some big-time holes. And that was before he knew Lexi Donarski was transferring. That was before he knew Danae Fritz was. So they were already kind of planning for the idea that it was going to have to be a rebuild. Now it's definitely – I think he was looking at that at that point as more of a retooling, but now it is definitely a full-blown rebuild. Now maybe there is somebody in the transfer portal that we don't know about. We didn't know about Stephanie Suarez. I had no idea – Stephanie Suarez existed. Is somebody of that caliber out there for Iowa State? Maybe. Who knows? But unless they get a home run, I mean, they may need two home runs in the transfer portal to turn it around to get them to a a point where we're thinking like, man, Iowa State is going to be a big-time contributor in, in 2023. Even in the the transfer portal era, it seemed like the the level of defections Iowa State had this spring took people by surprise. And I think even among the most informed fans, the question was, does Fennelly need to look at this and and make changes? Which is an interesting conversation to have when you're coming off, you know, if not the most productive and successful run in program history, then certainly among the top two or three when you look over the last, you know, three, four, five, six years. Is that an overreaction, that type of thinking, or just when you are, you know, at a program for damn near thirty years, you're going to have to reinvent yourself a few different times, and now this is maybe one of those times when you have a rebuild, a retool, whatever you want to call it, you know, amid surprising defections. Yeah, I think it's fair to to wonder because 
Like, look, it's on the on the same token. This is not really something that you know should be a total shock. I mean, how we have seen over the years a lot of defections from Bill Fenley's program. There's nothing, nothing new. I would say it's on a whole other level where you're talking about two major contributors of Lexi Donarski and Danae Fritz leaving. I don't know if we've had it at that level in a long, long time. So I think, yeah, you got to worry, you got to wonder, you got to think, okay, what's next for Bill Fenley? How is he going to handle this moving forward? Because obviously the way both those players had talked about my understanding of why both those players decided to leave in terms of style, that's something that has kind of, I think, annoyed Iowa State fans as well, where the pace of play is very high for Iowa State, but the style of play, putting the ball in one person's hands and saying, okay, you go attack the hoop, and if it doesn't work, we'll find an open shooter. I think fans and I think players want more creativity and more um, excitement when it comes to a type of offensive game plan that could be out there. And unless he adjusts, I don't know what the the future looks like for players moving forward. Because to me, Travis, you know this. I mean, it's kind of the same way in the men's game too. You know, players want the ball in their hands. Players want exciting offense. And, you know, you have to listen to them if you want to keep them around, right? Yeah, and it's only complicated, I would imagine, by the fact that Iowa State obviously recruits the state of Iowa very heavily and just watched its counterpart on the eastern side of the state <laughs> nearly win a national championship with a a, uh, a kid who grew up 30 miles away and whose brother is the holder. So, I mean, that's that only, I would imagine, adds to the pressure of trying to get this thing back quickly. And again, like they, they just, can do it. They, they just had a really good run. Like yeah. the, the sky is certainly not falling. And the, but these are the type of conversations you have when you have high profile transfers and when you have a changing of the guard, so to speak, with Ashley Jones leaving. I remember talking about it when Bridget Carlton left, and you still had Ashley Jones on the roster that you felt really good about. So still, these are just. The nature of the beast in college athletics with the the speed of things only accelerating with the transfer portal. Especially when it comes to this season, too. And there were so many high expectations, so many high hopes. I mean, everything that Iowa did, everybody was expecting Iowa State to do. I mean, they were a top 10 team to enter the year. They were the favorites to win the but Big But they might have been there, too, had Suarez not got hurt. and Right? Yeah, Possibly. But they weren't, but that, right? Like, that doesn't... And, and Finley then had to re, re, reimagine the whole team after that. Yeah, but I think what we're kind of the, the question of frustration goes is when Suarez went down, it's essentially the same team from a season ago, and they couldn't do what they did yeah. even the year before. He's Tommy Birch of the Des Moines Register joining us to talk Iowa State women's basketball, which is having a interesting off season. This year with two players drafted into the WNBA draft last night and the rebuild retool ahead for Bill Fennelly and his staff. Tommy, thanks for joining us. When we come back, we'll talk about the other side of the Sukup basketball complex where TJ Otzelberger's program has added two high profile, high uh, high level of interest guards 
uh, via the transfer portal. When we return on the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. This is Cyclone Insider on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Welcome back to the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on 106.3 FM and 1460 KXNO. I'm Travis Hines. He's Randy Peterson. If you missed any of our discussion about Iowa State women's basketball and its two WNBA draft picks with Tommy Birch, please check out our podcast wherever it is you listen to such things. We're going to flip to the other side of the basketball complex with TJ Otzelberger's men's basketball program that picked up two transfer portal guards this week in Kayshawn Gilbert from UNLV and Jackson Pavaleski of Wofford. The common thread here is they're guys that can put the ball in the basket from a distance beyond the three-point arc, which, Randy, I think is pretty important for this team. So mission accomplished on adding shooting. We'll see how it transfers from UNLV and Wofford, but certainly you know, Iowa State is doing what it's set out to do this spring, which I think has really been a hallmark of the program under TJ Otzelberger. You look at now this is their third offseason. The blueprint or the plan or the goals have been pretty clear in all three. And, you know, at least in the first two, they've been pretty successful in addressing them and now off to a pretty good start in year three. And what are they? It's it's evident now that that you can tell that TJ's finally getting that roster back to where a traditional roster would be what they they went six and six the last two years in the portal six maybe five and now they're only going to they're going to end up taking two if if i i don't know whether they fill the last scholarship or not i guess it depends on what's out there but they've only got one scholarship left they've got two portal guys um so they're getting so they're getting it back to to what is generally considered a more traditional Roster and with the and with the four guys coming in in in, um, in June. So yeah, it was it. <coughs> excuse me. Those were those were those were big for for TJ um, and the staff. And I, I I I think there's another one out there hanging. Maybe the the kid from Nevada, uh, Nevada. What's his name? Darian Williams or something like that. Possibly, but. Uh, um, it, and it could be done. It absolutely could be done right now. And I know that that's the way TJ's done it in the past. He's 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 reacted quick and and got his guys, and then boom, goes to work. Yeah, I mean, I think if all things being equal, you probably really want to fill that final scholarship just because. I mean, you look at you know Jeremiah Williams hasn't played a full season yeah. of basketball because of injury and COVID for three years now. Um, and is still probably just by the nature of an Achilles injury months away from being fully cleared. Those things are a full year recovery. And then, you know, he wasn't completely over the shoulder issue when he blew the Achilles. So there's just a lot of unknowns there for him heading into the winter. And, you know, as we saw last year when their guard depth got hit a little bit with Caleb Grill's dismissal, things got a lot harder a lot quicker. So I think you want to do everything you can. Uh, to bolster that backcourt in every way you possibly can this offseason. It's going to be an interesting year because I think this will be the first year where Iowa State goes into the season with a little, with some level of expectation. 
I don't know that anybody is you know going to pick them to win the Big Twelve. I would I'm actually I will go out on a limb here and say they're not going to be picked to win the Big Twelve. But they've gone to back to back NCAA tournaments, went to one Sweet Sixteen, and are now bringing in the highest rated recruiting class in program history with a McDonald's All American and another top forty kid uh, on top of a notable returning core and now two. I think uh, for them, you know, hitting on their transfer portal targets, there's going to be some level of expectation for this team, which is new, frankly. I mean, nobody thought they'd be any good in year one. And I think year two, there was some hope, but maybe not a belief that they could do what they did. Certainly not, you know, contend for a Big 12 title through the first half of the, the Big 12 slate there. So be interesting to see what this thing looks like. Uh, as we get into the fall after uh, what has already been a pretty successful offseason. I'm excited to see how, or I think Iowa State fans should be excited also, to see how Tame and Lipsy's offseason goes. Uh, I think we talked about this the last time we met, that, that TJ said on the Saturday morning after after they got bounced from the NCAA tournament that, that, that Tayman's going to be, once the semester's over, shooting, 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 shooting the ball. Um, and that doesn't necessarily mean three points, three-pointers, but it certainly means providing some sort of a scoring threat um, from the perimeter because right now it's it's nobody guards him out there. Um, so yeah, I, I I think I'm kind of looking forward to it, and I and I'm with you. I I'm, don't think anybody should put high expectations on Jeremiah Williams um, um, getting back. So um, and, and which which. Then with the the new guys coming in, it could give maybe Taman a chance to move off the ball also. So the other piece of news we got this week is a two year contract <clears throat> extension for TJ Otzelberger that boosts his pay to two and a half million from two million this upcoming season, and then three million the next, and three and a half the following. Thereby and thereafter going up by hundred thousand dollar increments. But though I imagine by year four of this contract, there will be some change because that is what the nature of coaching contracts, either for better or for worse. Randy, I think obviously a well-deserved raise for TJ Otzelberger, who you know took this team from two and twenty-two to two NCAA tournaments, um, and deserves you know is not getting out in front of the compensation curve here uh, with not only what he's done but what the future looks like. That said, I would imagine he'll still be last among legacy Big Twelve coaches, which is among the the four coming in uh, or excluding the four coming in. Although he'll be behind. Uh, Kelvin Sampson. So 10 out of 10 among legacy Big 12 programs, assuming Jerome Tang gets a healthy raise after leading his team to the Elite Eight. Does that mean anything to you? Does that tell anything? You wrote about it today. I mean, I tend to think it just, you know, it shows where Iowa State is financially. Um, Their decisions, their um, choices in terms of not, you know, going wild with compensation for coaches. Um, and I guess the uphill battle they face financially as an athletic department, not just necessarily in funding a high-level men's basketball program, which they've obviously done on a budget now going on 15 years of pretty high-level play. <coughs> Excuse me, doggone. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what what else I can add to that. Um, um, Johnny Dawkins is, I think that's probably the only coach in the in the whole 
kit and caboodle. Maybe what's the okay Pope at BYU and Westmoreland. yeah. We don't know what Pope makes. I don't know what Pope makes. I'm guessing it's less than two and a half. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So maybe maybe he'll be ahead of the BYU coach, ahead of Wes Miller, who's Cincinnati making one six last year, and ahead of Johnny Dawkins at Central Florida, who made one one last year. So yeah, TJ will be ahead of that, but he'll certainly be behind. Um, first year coach Grant McCasland, who's making two nine. Rodney, um, what's his name? That, that Rodney Terry, Terry, two point, you know, or I'm sorry, three one, three one, yeah. I mean, and so Porter Mosher's at two eight, so TJ will be among the bottom three or four. But um, I guess you know, and and, that, and I would say Ted, good luck with that, has good success with that, and and um, if TJ's fine with that, then 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 go for it. I mean, it's been it's been successful. You know, it's not necessarily how much you pay the coach. It's it's who the coach is. And in Iowa State's case, um, um, you know, we knew it was going to be TJ all along. I mean, even before he got the job. To, I mean, after Fred. But uh, um, anyway, yeah, he hasn't let anybody down in that respect. And 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 uh, Jamie Pollard is is is. Pretty smart in this. They're they're very prudent, and, and he puts his money where um, they can get the most bang. Yeah, and if you're uh, your TJ Otzelberger, you also just added like what probably a million five to your your total compensation over the the course of six years. That's that's buyout money if things go south that you've protected yourself from, and you've raised the ceiling if you continue to have success, and if other programs come knocking in Iowa State. You know, is going to be in a position to have to to get into, you know, playing, you know, against a a competitor, which you know, if you're winning, certainly always happens. And having now known TJ for over a decade, he's a guy that makes decisions intentionally and has a long term plan. And I think certainly, as he said publicly many times, this is a job that he wants and wants to be at for a long time. And so I don't think there's probably a rush to go get every dollar you can. Maybe that changes if a bigger contract comes his way from another school that Iowa State will be forced to match. But like th- those are good problems to have if you're Iowa State because that means you're winning. Yeah, and and I thought I thought that was the, one of the comments that Jamie said was in the in the release was very interesting. That and I'm gonna I'm paraphrasing this. This was kind and of, maybe they low he didn't use the phrase low ball, but I use it. Maybe they low balled him at the beginning. Because of, of the huge buyout that he had, but this is and the four. five million they own prom. Yeah, and the five million they own prom. This is a way of getting getting back up there, which eventually you know they'll get there. This has been the Cyclone Insider Radio Hour from the Des Moines Register here on one hundred six three FM and fourteen sixty KXNO. For Randy Peterson, I'm Travis Hines. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time.